Hello and welcome back to another episode of the China Path podcast. James Scullin here from the Australia-China Business Council. It's been an unforgiving start to 2020 in Australia and China with the impact of the bushfires and now coronavirus bringing much tragedy and hardship. With the coronavirus or COVID-19, as it stands on February 27th, there are 81,000 reported cases worldwide with 2,762 fatalities. To offer a perspective from China regarding the impact of the fallout from the virus is having on both the Australian and Chinese economies, I'm joined by Paul Shane, the Trade and Investment Commissioner for Austrade in Beijing. After just completing his period of self-quarantine as required from his return from Beijing, I caught up with Paul to discuss how the coronavirus was being felt on the ground in China, the measures undertaken by both the Chinese and Australian governments to mitigate its economic impact, and how the situation bodes for both countries throughout 2020. I hope you enjoy our discussion. I'm here with Paul Shane, the Trade and Investment Commissioner for Austrade. Um, now, Paul, you're typically stationed in Beijing. Yes, you're, yes. We're having this conversation in Melbourne yes. now. Um, how long have you been back in Australia for? Um, I returned on the 6th of February, so that was part of the government's um, direction for all non-essential staff to return to Australia. Um, all of our offices um, remain open, so in accordance with um, you know the government direction, we have um, you know brought most of our staff home, but we still have remained four to have a presence in our sort of key posts and consulates, so including Beijing, Shanghai, Chengdu, and Guangzhou. Okay. So that really we want to remain our presence and support local staff and business who you know continue to do great work in China at the moment. Okay, so those four are Australian staff, but you still have local staff yes, engaged yep, there? Yes, yep, all of our local staff are still engaged. You know, the world is being tested at how well they can work remotely in this time, and we're lucky at Austrade that we're sort of at the front foot of this. So we're um, still working business as usual. So we're still undertaking our roles sort of in China, but from remote locations. So I encourage anyone listening, if they need to reach out to us, please do. Um, and so when do you see yourself returning to Beijing? Um, that's really hard to tell. Um, at the moment, all I do know is that it was a sort of one-way ticket. So um, given the fact that it was government-directed to bring us home, it will be the foreign minister who kind of signs off on when we return. All I can say at this stage is that I can't see that happening um, before the travel advice has changed. It's currently do not travel. Okay. But it's being updated regularly. But until that changes, we don't know. Um, a few of the indicators that might change that travel advice is when airlines resume flights. And at the moment, a number of sort of looking at end of March timeframe at the moment. Right. So that okay. might provide some indication, but it's just an unknown at this stage. Okay. Um, and so what can you tell us about the status of the coronavirus at this stage with today being Thursday, the 27th of February? Well, it's sort of changing day by day, you know. I still... Um, it's it's hard to sort of say with any certainty because, as you know, like minute by minute it is changing. But, it you know, as far as what I can sort of personally tell, it, with looking to, with some hope, it looks like the worst may be behind us. So. Mm. Well, I, th- I think today was the first day that there were more new cases outside of China than within China. So I think that may be an indication that domestically within China it, it hopefully has peaked and is now on a downward trajectory. Um, but I guess now we have this international fallout to deal with. Yep. The safety of our sort of local staff is our sort of paramount concern. And mm. 
you know, at the moment they're from this week returning to offices. So in all of the um, cities where Austrade has a presence, um, it has sort of stabilised. And yeah, from this week, people are returning to the offices. So that gives some sort of indication to uh, the current situation and confidence. Mm. Um, now, I think in Australia we've heard a lot that um, the the lockdown in, in Wuhan, where the coronavirus originated, has been quite severe. Um, but what can you tell us about other cities outside of China? So, like, what can you tell... What was Beijing like when you left in terms of a lockdown? When I left, um, Beijing wasn't in a lockdown per se, but there was... Um, well, to be honest, I was basically going from work home, work home, so I wasn't out and about too much, but... Obviously, precautions were taken, so temperatures were being checked when you would go back to your accommodation or enter sort of shopping centres and that kind of thing. Um, it did seem quieter than usual, but it was just around Chinese New Year, which is usually a sort of quiet time in Beijing anyway, yeah. so um, a bit hard to say. But, you know, each um, city is sort of taking a slightly different approach and different measures. Mm. What we were seeing, though, is that basically anyone that did travel outside of their home city when they did return were doing self-isolation for 14 days just to be on the safe side. No matter where they were? No matter, just if they went outside, yeah. It didn't matter where they went. If, okay. you, if you left your home city, because as much as possible, I think they do want some sort of consistency in measures. And, you know, unfortunately as well, it did sort of hit right at the time of, um, you know, Chinese New Year, which is the biggest people movement on earth. Yep. So it really is hard to... Even though you might not have been somewhere, it's hard to know who the person sitting next to you on the plane or train was. So right. it was more just a regardless 14 days work from home. So does that tend to be advice for, for local Chinese people? Does that tend to be advice from the, the city governments? Because I've also heard that different apartment compounds and apartment complexes, they have their own stringencies in terms yes. of monitoring people. Yeah, so, yeah, basically... Um, as you like, we have sort of a presence all across China. So for us and uh, with DFAT as well, we basically just say, look, we follow the advice from the local authority. There is some slight variation there, but we just make sure that whatever measures we put in place are consistent with, you know, the Beijing government, Shanghai, whatever it may be. Okay, we're we're right. sort of taking their advice. But I think initially it did seem to be a little bit more um, inconsistent perhaps, but over time it's become more and more consistently okay. uh, the approach to this. There's also been some discussion about China's authoritarian measures in locking down its cities to, to self-quarantine its population. Isn't this an appropriate way you should be dealing with an outbreak that's so contagious like coronavirus? I can point listeners to the um, our webinar last week with Professor Sharon uh, Lewin, who did touch on these kind of things, but Yes, in a situation like this and also too, um, it takes a while to fully understand what you're dealing with. So obviously during that period of uncertainty, then, um, you know, the um, view is to err on the side of caution, better, better safe than sorry, um, as, as they say. So I, I believe in, in that sense, um, you know, we are seeing the numbers somewhat stabilising in China now and... Um, um, you know, so I, I believe that anyone faced with this situation is going to find it challenging. There's never a perfect... Hopefully, you know, you you can look back and you can learn from things like SARS and other things, but I believe that, from my personal perspective, that China is taking a sort of measured approach to this and I believe that, um, you know, the government is doing what they see is required and doing a, doing a good job of it. And mm. I believe that, as you mentioned, WHO and others have commented on, the, on their response, but... Um, 
Yeah, well, mm. I, th- I, th- I think the, the WHO has actually kind of passed that on to other nations that they should look to the way China has dealt with this um, because, as we said at the top, you know, it, it looks to have peaked within China, yeah. even though numbers, you know, globally are increasing. Mm. And until you have more information, like I said, um, Professor Sharon Lewin, her pod, her webinar, sorry, um, provides a lot more insight on that. But at the moment, it seems to be we don't know everything about the virus, and it seems to be potentially like more contagious but less lethal than SARS at this mm. stage. So, um, as I as I said, in that period of uncertainty, um, better to be safe than sorry. So a lot of people are comparing the coronavirus to the SARS outbreak in 2003. Um, in, in terms of how the government in China has has handled that with regards to self-quarantine, are there, are there more similarities or, or differences in the government's approach? To be honest, I can't really talk with much certainty on that. But what I can say, a bit of a plug perhaps, is just last week, um, AusChamp Beijing and AusTrade held mm. a webinar with Professor Shannon Lewin who is the uh, director of the Peter Doherty Institute for Infection and Immunity in Melbourne, who were the first sort of people to grow and share the COVID virus um, with the world. And um, she provided a lot of information on this very topic So, um, and comparisons with SARS and whatnot through questions from the listeners. So um, I know that that recording is on Auschan Beijing's website. So mm. if people would like more information, then definitely direct them there. And, um, you know, we will look in the future to have more webinar- webinars on that topic. So mm. Yeah, great. Okay, well, we can link that um, in this in this podcast as well. Sure. Um, so turning to the economic situation, I think, you know, China's certainly in a different place economically um, in 2020 than it was in 2003. Yeah. Um, I think during the SARS outbreak, uh, China was growing at 10%, where now China's looking for 6% growth. And I think with the fallout of the coronavirus, you know, that growth could be restricted to 5% this year. Um, China's share of global output is also 19.7% in 2020. In 2003, it was just 8.3%. So thinking about how much China has developed into a, a greater player in the world economy, yeah. um, what can you tell us about the economic impact within China of, of the coronavirus? Yeah, there's no doubt going to be economic impacts. Um, and, you know, it's affecting different sectors sort of differently as far as we're talking about the um you know lockdown isolation of staff of course um it it is obviously beneficial if you are able to work remotely but there's some jobs that you just can't do remotely so Mm. they're obviously the most impacted by the self-isolation measures um and again the um just after chinese new year that's also impacted the scale of people caught up in that have you been outside of your home city self-quarantine for 14 days um, but we are seeing people come back to work from this week across a number of, of sectors and industries. So um, also, too, I can't sort of speak in detail, but I am aware that the Chinese government has provided a range of um, assistance measures for Chinese businesses, so okay. like tax exemptions, rental subsidies, interest freezes, um, to minimise the impact, particularly on SMEs. So okay. it's definitely going to have an impact. Um, but, yeah, the government, I think, is um, yeah, doing a a good job in employing a range of measures to try and limit that as much as possible. Mm. It, it must also be such a huge impact to the 300 million migrant workers who work across China and just the, the terrible luck of them being back to their home provinces and cities for Chinese New Year and, you know, the difficulty in them having to return back to their factories and, and places of work at that time. Yes, yeah, no, that's definitely, yeah, been a hard hit to some more than others. But, um, yeah, hopefully... Um, the worst is behind us now. We are seeing sort of a resumption. So, so thinking about Australian exports and, and that terrible timing for Chinese New Year, 
How has um, the outbreak of the coronavirus affected Australian exports? I know, I know seafood was, was particularly impacted. Yes. Yeah, well, um, you know, some sectors are hit harder and more immediately than others. So education, tourism, seafood, as you mentioned, and perishable goods have been like the most immediately impacted, mainly due to the uh, reduction in flights. Um, you know, but Austrade's ready to assist exporters find alternative markets for wine, seafood, rock lobsters, and a range of horticultural products, including apples, stone fruits, table grapes, and citrus. Mm. Um, you know, our website provides a lot of advice to exporters, and it's updated regularly, particularly at the moment, to provide the latest advice. And um, we'll be uploading more information to assist businesses at that time. But okay. yeah, the um, yeah the re- re- um, reduction in flights definitely sort of impacted the uh, tourism, education, and um, perishable goods, particularly. What about inbound into Australia? So Australia is one of 70 countries that's imposed travel restrictions on not just Chinese from Hubei or Wuhan, but Chinese people who aren't permanent residents. Um, what's that effect been like on Australian uh, tourism and education from an Australian perspective? Yeah, definitely. Tourism, you know, it's a key driver for the economy. It's about 3.1% of our GDP last year. Um, and China is our largest source of tourists, about 1.4 million a year. Um, and obviously, you know, February is the peak travel month for Chinese tourists just after Chinese New Year. So there will be an annual decline is expected, like even if recovery is quick. So, um, you know, that is just a, a reality of the current situation. Um, another one, like Australian education regulators, they've employed a range of measures like easing um, regulatory requirements, allowing providers to deliver a greater proportion of their courses online or remotely. Mm. Um, the education department's working with Austrade to prepare guidance for this and education providers. Um, next Wednesday, the 4th of March, um, AusCham Austrade Department of Education will host a webinar, um, an education webinar, so they can update everyone on the latest information. Mm, okay. um, but, you know, the travel... Uh, ban in force it's reviewed weekly and it's um, based on advice from health experts Um, there are concessions for year 11 and 12 students um, but i encourage listeners to download the smart traveler app just to make sure that they're on top of the latest information but um i would also just like to say that government officials met with the chinese embassy um, Mm. the last couple of weeks early february and meet regularly and so is the council of International Education's Global Reputation Task Force um, to discuss and support that they can provide to international students. Mm. Okay, Paul, now I know it's difficult to look through a crystal ball, but how how do you ascertain the fallout throughout the the rest of the year? Surely this isn't something that can just... We can revert back to how things were a few months prior to the coronavirus. How how severe do you see the impact being throughout Australia's economic engagement with China throughout the rest of the year? Yeah, there's no doubt that the coronavirus is having a significant impact on the Australian economy. And, um, you know, it's coming off the back of the um, devastating bushfires and the ongoing drought mm. as well. Yeah. Um, last week, Graham Fletcher, Australia's ambassador to China, Heather Koching, our um, chief economist, and Daniel Boyer, our general manager, um, Austrade Greater China, delivered a webinar to Ausjam and ACBC members um, on this. So, again, encourage listeners to access that for more information. And um, there'll be further updates like that in the coming weeks. So, definitely stay tuned. Mm. Um, the motto of our general manager, um, Daniel Boyer, is this too shall pass. Mm. So, as an organisation, we've already turned our minds to rebuilding business confidence and strengthening the trade relationship with China once the threat recedes. Um, we'll be undertaking a range of bounce-back measures in lockstep with Australian business in due course. But for the moment, we um, have sympathy for those impacted and are focused on providing them with as much assistance as possible. Mm. But, yeah, we, we are sort of confident that 
um, you know, this too shall pass. We're coming up to um, Australia's biggest month in China, which is in June, um, around the Festival of Australia. Yep, May to June. Um, how's that looking at the moment? Um, as far as events are concerned, at this stage it's a bit hard to tell. Like some events held earlier in the year have already been postponed or cancelled. Um, and, you know, some are going ahead and I'll let other organisations speak to their sort of planned events. But for mm. Austrade, the festival, as you mentioned, is our largest program of events planned for the middle of the year, um, May to June. Um, it's still under consideration. So okay. um, in a perfect world, things will be on back, uh, back on track soon and we'll be able to hopefully use the festival to highlight our return. Um, but it's just too early to tell at this stage. Mm. But um, we'll engage with stakeholders and clients well in advance as soon as a decision is reached. But for the time being, it's sort of a, a wait and see, but um, it's still um, going ahead as, as planned. Surely on the, on, on the China side, China would be more than willing to open its doors to foreign engagement and, and, and foreign partnerships with other countries like Australia? Yes, yeah. No, you know, China, just like the rest of the world, wants to get things back on track as soon as possible. There's... There's no winners in a crisis um, and you know, I'm confident that our friendship, complementary economies, deep government, business and people ties will place us in good step to support each other post, you know, we've had the bushfires in Australia, coronavirus in China, the challenges that come with that, you know, it really, um, it's when the chips are down, when your friends sort of really help out. So I'm sure that, you know, we'll be coming back stronger than ever on both sides and support each other in that, those efforts. Mm, fantastic. Okay, well, that's a great message to leave on. Paul Shane, thanks for coming by to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. My thanks to Paul, and if you'd like to know more about Austrade's support for businesses during this time, as well as the recent webinars mentioned by Paul, please drop by to the podcast homepage at acbc.com.au forward slash podcasts, where you can find links to our previous episodes. If you've been enjoying our series, please do leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, and should you have a friend, colleague, or client with an interest in China, please let them know about our podcast. This activity received funding from Austrade as part of the Free Trade Agreement Market Entry Grant Program. The views expressed herein are not necessarily the views of the Commonwealth of Australia and the Commonwealth does not accept responsibility for any information or advice contained herein. That's it for this episode. Until next time, zai jian.